welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hi, uh, I'm uh, I'm your host Nate Larkin, and uh, here with the co-host joining us for almost the last time from a great distance. He's actually going to going to be here. Uh, are we going to be able to do this in studio? Do you think, Aaron? I, you know, it's hard to say what my job exactly is going to be or how that'll work, but that would be awful fun, wouldn't it? Oh, it really would. It, it would be kind of disappointing to be doing this Zoom version when we're living <laughs> 30 minutes apart. That'd be weird. Yeah. So if you haven't picked up on that, uh, listeners, Aaron, our co-host from the left coast, a native of California, uh, is moving to the promised land. He's coming to Middle Tennessee. <laughs> Can I wear this hat in Tennessee? Oh, man, I don't think so. I think you'll get <laughs> shot if you wear that uh it's a Swiss Miss hat that you're wearing. It must be freezing out there in California to have that on. What is it down to maybe 60 degrees? What's it yeah, like? It's, it's Yeah, it's warming up. It's probably mid 60s now. But when I came into the office, you know, it was in the upper 40s. Yeah. So yeah. it was cold enough that I needed a hat. Yeah. And why not wear this hat that I've had for so long since an adventure in Greenwich Village with my beautiful blonde braids. It just makes me want to yodel. And it's a white knit cap with <laughs> braids. Yeah. And and I think it would be perfect to walk around downtown Franklin. You could probably pull this <laughs> off in Franklin. There's enough hipsters that would be like, that's gotta be ironically cool. We'll just go with it. It's the emperor. Yeah, right. It's and the emperor weeks, thing. Within three weeks, everybody would be wearing them. <laughs> that's right. We saw some weird guy with it. We want to make sure we were in on that Swiss Miss fad. <laughs> but yes, I, I have worn this to many occasions where it would embarrass my children. This has been a critical hat for uh -huh. critical times, and yeah. it's a beautiful thing. Okay, wonderful. Well, make sure and pack it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we're excited. We're stressed. It's uh, it's just crazy. It's trying to to move a household two thousand miles. I'm sure lots of our listeners have done it. I have not. So. Not enjoying it right now. Just want to get mm. it done. Are you going to U-Haul that baby over here? Is that what you're going to do? You're going to rent a truck? And yeah, we got one trailer a friend is lending us that lives both in town and in Savannah, Georgia. So okay. he's letting us take it and then he's going to pick it up. And then we will have to rent a big 25-foot truck as well. So Jenny right. will pull the trailer i'll drive the truck and son samuel who will come and stay through his christmas break before coming back here uh, will drive my car and fly back oh wow uh yeah so you're making the move in the middle of december so it's not the coldest time right it gets colder in like january february oh i don't know there's some arctic air coming through god knows how cold it's going to be when you get here well whatever you at least it's not humid yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll yeah. just have to take the more boring route through Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. You know, it gets, gets pretty monotonous, but mm -hmm. we shouldn't hit crazy weather like if we went through Utah and Colorado. And right, 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 right. Well, uh, I'm so thrilled that you're coming. And a lot of guys here in Tennessee are looking forward to your arrival. Uh, there's a brand new meeting in Murfreesboro that is hoping that you will... Uh, put in an appearance. And of course we got all the guys here in Franklin. 
Yeah, I was I was actually just thinking this morning, which which one? Because I I love the Franklin guys because I know, yeah. I know them. It's nice to see them, uh, <laughs> even if it's just once a year. Yeah. So, but but I am curious about the Murfreesboro, and I think I met at least one, maybe two from that group at uh-huh. the retreat, right? Yeah, yeah. So. But we have a special thing this morning uh, beyond our special guest. I think we're going to bring some other guys into a mini meeting. Is that true? That is the idea. Uh, our, several of our listeners have been asking for mini meetings. That was for a long time, a very standard part of the podcast. We kind of got away from it when uh, the morning zoo turned out to be just you and me. Uh, but we now have virtual meetings going. It was so good uh, to see these guys from the virtual meetings uh, get to hug their Silas for the first time at the retreat. Uh, And I'm on a group chat with a bunch of them. And I I thought yesterday, well, hell, we could do we could do a mini meeting and just I'll just pop it on the group chat and see if anybody wants to show. So I think if I do, I'll do that right now, even, uh, you know, while we speak, I'll pop it on the group chat say anybody want to join a mini meeting and we'll see if we have any takers you want to do that and so you just put a link with the group chat so that they'll yeah. come into our room yeah geez yeah, yeah. this will be fun let's see what yeah. happens let's see what happens all right uh here I, we go i was I'm, gonna say we'll take a break but i think this is just you know this is intense drama this is awesome all right here we go i, I sent it just now and i'm gonna say just sent a link to the mini meeting on this week's podcast period. Click if you can join, period. Immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately. Okay. Uh, Crap. Uh, Uh, What's happening? You've said, ah, crap. We're all in suspense. Yeah. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have the Wi-Fi on on my phone and, uh, (laughs) So now I've got to do this again. Here we go. Ready? I'm going to tap this. <laughs> Just sent a link to the mini meeting on this week's podcast, period. Click if you want to join, period. Do it immediately, comma, Aaron says, period. Okay. Send that. <laughs> What? This is the worst radio ever, but it's it's so bad. We're going to keep going. Yeah, see, um, real broadcasters would edit this so that it was seamless. That's right, and that's why they suck, and we're awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, at this point, the message has been transmitted to just a, a certain group, or is this to everybody in the world? This is to everybody on the group chat. Well, look at that. There's a person. And somebody is joining. Yeah. <laughs> He's coming in for the mini meeting. It's Neil Brockman is joining us from uh, Neil's in uh, outside of Toronto, Canada, I think, or someplace up there north of the border. Neil, you got to turn on your video. This is like, this is too anonymous. Yeah. Give us I feel, get, vulnerable. Uh, yeah. Give us some video and some audio. Oh, let's just go first names. Why don't we do that? Okay. When the new guys come in. Yeah. That wasn't okay. We got Neil. I know. This is not Neil. This is, uh, we're going to give you a pseudonym now. (laughs) All right. Marty. All right. right. Uh, So Neil has shown up. Uh, Chris is signing on. Uh, You got to turn your uh, camera on, Chris, and your audio. We're getting a bit of an echo, I think, from Neil, maybe. 
If you guys have headphones, that's cool. If not, just mute yourself until you speak. Yeah, mute yourself until yeah. you speak. Look at that Chris guy. Yeah. All right. So, how long do we wait before we start a mini meeting? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're you're making this up as you go along, Nate. So, just throw some rules down. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start uh, the reading for the mini meeting, and if anybody else shows up, they can. I've, I've they can it, participate. I've got it in front of me. If you want me to do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Why don't you do it? Go ahead. Okay. Should we should we give it just a couple more minutes before people? Uh, I suppose. I, I mean, I don't want. Daniel. I feel like saying hi to these guys a little bit and being social. It's usually okay. Go ahead. Do it. Time. Well, Be social, Aaron. Now, now it's awkward. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, that was the social part. All right. <laughs> My name is Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. I'm waiting for you, Neil. I want Hi, Aaron. Affirmation. Okay. Let's open this meeting with prayer. Uh, no, we skipped that part. We don't pray in many meetings. No, no, no. We God just help do. us, please. Blasphemy. <laughs> uh, Welcome to this meeting of the Samson Society. We're a company of Christian men. We're also natural loners who've recognized the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. Natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home. Natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright. Natural strongmen who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weakness. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing honestly out of our own personal experiences, the challenges and encouragements of daily living, Christian living in a fallen world. So we have now reached the sharing portion of our meeting. In sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strict. strict we try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than directing them towards any one person. As a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. The suggested topic today is change. Change. Okay. All right. But we're not confined to that subject. You may speak about any issue that's currently commanding your attention. All right. Uh, and we have a new participant in the meeting. Don has joined us from Germany. We've got Neil from Canada, and we've got Chris. Oh, are you back Chris. in? Are you back in Alaska, Chris? Yes, sir. I'm in Anchorage. Okay. All right. That's insane. Yeah, I like it. It's okay. Topic. Topic has changed. Floor is open. Hey guys, this is Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Um, I really like this topic on change. Um, for starters, because I know I've changed. I've changed a lot, and that's that's a good thing. I can say that with confidence and not with uh, the typical BS of just wanting to be better or whatever. But if I look 
if I look at the past, if I look at early recovery, because I've only been in recovery for about a year now, um, it was all God leading all of the change when I walked into my first 12-step room and wanted to end my life because of my addiction. Um, uh, God used somebody that I never thought he would use, a type of person that I never thought he would use to lead me to the right change. And, uh, the place that I actually went for seven months of group therapy was called the Change Development Institute. And out of there, he had a program called Wrestling with Fantasy. And um, I didn't even know I needed that kind of change where the, 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 the life of fantasy that I was living, I, I, if you, when you told me that in my early recovery, it was like, no, I'm, I don't fantasize. If you're going to fantasize, you have to be a creative person. And I'm not a creative person. But I felt like that's when God was like, well, no, you are creative because I created you. I create creative people. You're just using your fantasy and your creativity for garbage. So here's a way to change that. And so you know, as simple as it was to change was, was, was basically examining false beliefs, thinking errors, my, my whole upbringing, looking at that and seeing what needed to change. And then once it was in front of me, well, now I've got to make a decision and share it with other men, share it with my group, share it with my therapist on what that change is and needs to look like. And, you know, it, it was an exciting change. And, it, and I'm still changing. You know, I'm in a healing group, you know, that uh, it's, 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 it's healing. I don't know why the healing changed me. I don't know what it is about being healed that changes me, but all I know is I want more of it. Um, and a lot of times I am trying to change to please other people. I don't think I've perfected how to not do that. You know, how do I stop trying to change just so other people can say, Oh, look at Chris has changed. Let's love him more now, you know, cause he's doing what we want him to do now. He's who we want him to be now. <laughs> I don't know how to get over that and um, get by that, especially with having an ex-wife now and four children and a lot of expectation on actually changing, you know? Um, and I have a lot of expectation for myself to change too. So powerful topic. I like that. I can actually sit here and say, Oh, you have changed. But then at the same time, man, what else needs to change? And, I think I need to take a step back and realize again that God still is in control of that change. So thanks guys. And Chris. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. And we have a new arrival in the meeting. Uh, I'm not certain, but I think it may be Jason. So Jason. Hi. Hi, Nate. This is Jason. Hi guys. Awesome. All right. Well, welcome to the meeting. We were underway and the topic is change. Hey guys, I'm Don. Hey Don. Um, uh, you know, so I think similar to what um, Chris says that um, a lot of times we don't want to change um, and uh, we know that God is changing us and is a process of, for me, uh, changing me daily. Uh, I think one of the things that I'm learning, I, I just started reading um, uh, Dave's book, After the Miracle, mm -hmm. and the idea is that, you know, when you start to change, uh, uh, people around you are going to be very skeptical of that change. 
Hmm. Is that's really genuine, you know, or is the, is the real Don going to come out? And uh, that's where I have really, um, and, 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 you know, so, so continually when, when we'll have conflict, my wife and I will have conflict. She will, um, you know, she will say, you know, I, I see a difference in you, but I'm, you know, I, I'm still waiting for the shoe to drop, the other shoe to drop. I'm still waiting for this, not, you know, the, you know, where I have been continued crushed and hurt and, and, uh, and, and I'll sit there and I'll say, I, I can't, I can't make you feel any differently. I can't, I, I can't make make you believe this, uh, except just to be, um, consistent, uh, mm-hmm. in what I'm doing. Uh, I will say that anytime I, I just suffered a pretty good relapse, uh, back on the 10th. And that was just like, almost like a, see, I told you so, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, uh, so, so you go back to the, the, the idea of progress, not perfection, which mm-hmm. I think is a big part of change. Um, and that, um, you know, there's a, there's a song um, by Elevation and the chorus goes, um, the resurrecting king is resurrecting me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love that because it's not, I'm not resurrected, I'm resurrecting. And, um, you know, to have to remind mm. yourself sometimes even daily that I am a restored son of the sovereign Lord mm. and, you know, the lingering effects of my sin are always going to affect that change and to be patient with other people for that. I mean, when, 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 when Paul had this radical change, you know, it still took a good three years for people to realize that he really was a changed man. And um, so in the midst of me being like, no, it's really me. I'm doing good. You know, believe in me, believe in what I'm doing, you know, and my wife's like, Hey, I've known you for 26 years. So don't expect me just because you're, you know, 26 months into recovery uh, that suddenly everything's perfect. And, um, and so I'm learning to be patient um, with other people. And that's why I really like, I really like the book um, after the miracle, because he talks about there has to be a place for people to express their pain, especially when that pain is, uh, has your name on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So that's really where I am right now on changes. Um, don't expect everybody to believe that you have changed. Um you know, so anyways, thanks guys. I'm done. Thanks. Thanks, Don. Don. Thanks, Don. Hey guys, this is Neil. Hey, Neil. Hi, Neil. Hi, Neil. So, um, I want to talk about God imposed change in my life. Um, I was addicted to porn and all the peripherals for over 30 years, and uh, God, in his mercy, blessed me with a a great job, good income, world travel, and um, I wasn't changing. I wasn't changing my life. And so God said, okay, time out. And it all came crashing down. I was exposed publicly. I lost the job. 
I lost a pastoral position. Um, and so basically a change occurred, a complete change occurred in my life. And I started through a seven year period of sobriety, although I look back at it now and I realize it was very much um, white knuckling it uh, type of sobriety. Uh, and then another change happened because I began to slip back into pornography for two years and um, lost my marriage. And finally, about a year ago, God decided to say, okay, I'm going to kick things into high gear here. And I had made, the, I had basically surrendered to him at that point. And God um, did something to me, touched me. He introduced Samson to me, uh, virtual meetings, and uh, I don't know how to explain that because the things that used to trigger me, the things that used to cause me to fall, no longer do. God has done something. He has imposed a change on me, and uh, I will always give him the credit for that. Um, I, I know that I'm all forever uh, a moment away from relapse, but... Uh, so in my life, it's been God-imposed changes. And uh, thankfully, they've been heading in the right direction for me. Um, and uh, now uh, I've discovered a new life. I've discovered uh, the, the role of a Silas. Uh, and I, that's a tremendous blessing. And I think that's part of recovery as well, to be able to start reaching out and helping others. It's all part, part of the healing process. And uh, I tell you, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Hmm. Um, this is Neil. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Thanks Neil. Neil. Yeah. Thanks, Neil. I'm Aaron. Hey, Aaron. 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 So I've been thinking the last few days about change uh, since we're in the process of this move, which the whole purpose is to change up uh, a life that I don't think is sustainable uh, or wise with uh, the amount that I have to work to pay for living. So the the desire is that the change, the physical change is going to create relational and emotional change, that it'll be more healthy for me and more time with the family. Uh, and the family's totally excited. Uh, but I realized how much I am averse to hope that I can't be sure of mm. like me hoping that a physical change will create relational and emotional change feels dangerous to me. And there's a lurking fear underneath that's saying you're about to do all of this and nothing will change, mm. but you will have uprooted your whole life and your family uh, and left all the community you've been around for four decades and you'll be worse off for it which I don't like that, that voice, but I'm starting to recognize that it's there. So mm. I think I'm in a place where I just want to embrace the hope of change with a little more Pollyanna abandon than is natural to me because God is all about change. It is, it is mm. overly cynical and faithless to default to the way that fear is leading so those are my thoughts on change. Hi, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. 
Uh, well, I'm Nate. Hey, Nate. Hey, Nate. Um, yeah, I, as I age, I am becoming aware of a couple of facts about change. The first is change is relentless. Um, when I hit a really sweet season in my life, uh, I try to do everything I can to nail it all down so nothing changes. Um, but uh, that turns out to be just fruitless activity. Uh, there's always change around the corner. So, you know, for me, there, there are physical changes. There are uh, mental changes. Uh, it seems like the business I'm in is always fluid. Um, and uh, the encouragement that I've been getting lately from my friend Jeff Schulte is to just stay in the stream, just stay in the stream and stay present and uh, to allow myself to be surprised by whatever comes around, uh, not to try to uh, predict it too much, not to try to control it. Uh, the other thing about change is that changes, most changes are progressive, the changes that I do want. And of course, I still do have hope for change. I'm not yet the man I want to be. Uh, Samson society is is not yet all I hope for it to be. There are things that I would like to be and do and see. Um, and I still, as a part of me, uh, a childhood part of me that still wants the magical change, the instantaneous change, the thing that happens, you know, just if, if I can say the right incantation, pray the right words in the right way, or make the right decision that, you know, in an instant will be there. Um, and the truth is, uh, the kind of change I'm looking for is growth, and growth is slow. Good growth is slow. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, and that's me. I'm Nate. Thanks. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Hey, guys. I'm Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, guys. Um, so, change. Interesting topic. Um what brought me to Samson was the desire and need for change. And I had been through a ministry a long time ago called heart change. Uh, but I tried to do that in isolation and it, it didn't, it didn't help. Um, I've been through sexual recovery ministries before, but it was always in isolation and that isolation, um, for, it allowed me to appear as if things were changing, but they weren't really. And as I shared at, at the, the retreat, you know, I mean, it was to the point of suicide. Um, I just couldn't continue doing this anymore. And what I realized um, through working through some anger management issues is that the only way I'm going to change is if I connect and I can be real and authentic with people. Because um, change comes through connection and community. Um, and not in isolation. So that's what I'm finding with Samson, but it's really fucking hard. Mm. It, change is really, really, really hard. And as soon as I feel like I'm changing, something comes up and I'm like, Oh, I didn't handle that that well, mm. but maybe just realizing that is in fact, you know, evidence of change that I can at least see like, Oh, you know, Hmm. I didn't handle that well. Instead of running to pornography and masturbation uh, to handle uh, the feelings that come from not handling something well, whatever it is, you know, work or 
family relationships or friends, or text messages. Um, I can step out of it and I can say, okay, all right, next time, what do I want to do differently? Okay, I need to connect or I need to breathe or I need to step away. But maybe that's evidence of change. Um, I mean, I think for a long time, I thought change was going to be instantaneous and I thought it was going to fix everything. And what I'm realizing now is I'm approaching, you know, almost three months of sobriety for the first time in my life. Um, like not, nothing has really changed. Um, not miraculously. I thought it was, Oh, I thought all oh, my wife and I are going to be having sex. All of a sudden she's going to forgive me from, you know, the past infidelities and issues and everything's going to get better. And, you know, and rainbows and apple pie and unicorns and, um, and, and I just, you know, I don't know if I bought into that when I first became a Christian 17 years ago, that all of a sudden that Christ is just miraculously going to make everything better. But I'm realizing there is, even though it's tough, there is um, beauty in this, in this struggle, you know. And um, Samson has helped me do that. Like, uh, like I said, this, this is kind of changing my life a little bit. Saving my life, I would actually say in a lot of ways. So, um I'm happy to continue this journey of change. Um, uh, and I'm excited, um, to have a group of men to go through this with and, mm-hmm. and to, and to kind of just keep pressing forward and be accountable and get called on my shit when I need to. So thanks guys. I'm Jason. And that's what I got. Thanks Jason. Thanks, thanks, Jason. thanks Jason. Jason. Well, the formal part of our mini meeting is now coming to a, a close, but you're encouraged to stick around afterwards and fly to Germany, Alaska, Canada, or different <laughs> parts of the United States to adjourn elsewhere for informal fellowship. You know, one place that we could adjourn at the end of May, from May 31st to June 2nd, is the Samson Society Spring Retreat in Scotland. Detail. Detail. Details uh, upcoming. Hey, and now, I just want to. A little, put a little plug, Nate, that I'm so excited. I told, I talked to Tom Muka. You know, we have brothers in uh, New Zealand and China who it's cost prohibitive. So I said, I'm going to start a GoFundMe page to help help the cost because I don't want, I, I don't want cost to be a reason why they couldn't come. So, uh, Nate, Nate, and Don, uh, what you're saying is is fine, but it's totally out of order. Uh, so. <laughs> continue. And no crosstalk, guys. Like, what's so, going on here? So here, here I go with the rest of the reading. <laughs> are, there, Scottish rules. are there any announcements related to this meeting or other Samson Society meetings? Okay, now this would be the appropriate time for you to say your stuff. Jeez, you know, yeah. Aaron, I know that you never actually edit, but this would be a perfect time for you to actually do that if you wanted to. No way. <laughs> hey we're about to come back with a great interview with jim Cress, some awesome stuff that he has to say and also i want to make note that today's episode all of the music will be what some of you consider to be cheesy 80s contemporary christian music because i made a promise to some men in tennessee around a campfire one beautiful night so we will be right back with jim Cress here on the pirate monk podcast
Well, we are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast, and today's guest, we are really fortunate to have with us a veteran of sex addiction recovery or recovery in general, uh, mental health from a Christian perspective. Jim Kress is with us. Hi, Jim. Hey, Nate. Good to be with you. Enjoyed a cup of coffee there with you and Franklin not long ago. It's just <laughs> great to be with both you and Aaron. Yeah, well, it was a it was a wonderful treat for me to get that invitation to meet you down at the Frothy Monkey and oh yeah, and uh, tip a cup a, a cup of hot brown stuff and have a long conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Jim, uh, some of our listeners may recognize your name or your voice. You've been a familiar voice uh, on Christian radio for a good long time, uh, beginning back in the days of the Minerth Meyer uh, radio show, right? Back in there in the uh, 90s for about eight years, and then it became Minrith Meyer New Life Clinic, which is now living on uh, as New Life Live. But yeah, I hosted that daily talk show uh, for about eight years and loved it. Some of the great memories of my life and career doing that interviewing therapist, and then I became one. Wow. Wow. And then uh, let me see, you were on the radio with June Hunt for a good long time. Yeah, about 20 years. We had a nighttime program that she's still doing called Hope in the Night, live on Salem Radio Network. So people called in and a lot of, a lot of good activity there at night on radio. People were willing to call in and talk about everything under the sun. Oh, that's beautiful. Interesting. I love, I love that you have been engaged in honest conversation yeah. for a very, very long time. Uh, now, you wound up settling. Uh, I mean, you've worked with Bethesda Workshops, Marnie, a good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, work out at Onsite, uh, that That's great right. clinic in Cumberland Furnace, uh, Tennessee, or Nashville, uh, Cumberland Furnace, Tennessee. And you mm-hmm. actually are now in Charlotte. What are you doing in stage? Well, I have a private practice here in Charlotte. I do a lot of work as a CSAT, Certified Sex Addiction Therapist, and just a guy in recovery with my own story. So a lot of work in, in sex addiction work here. That's certainly not all that I do. And then I have uh, a four-day intensive that I do called Integrity Redeemed Workshops for men, women, and then couples who've been impacted at any level uh, from infidelity or pornography. Oh, fantastic. Now, uh, you go way back with another friend of ours, Michael Cusick, don't you? Oh, back to dirt just about. Yeah, we were in. (laughs) Yeah, I'm older than Michael, but Michael was actually a professor of mine at Colorado Christian University and then dear friends with Michael and Julianne. And we used to go same church, Lookout Mountain Community Church in Denver. And then we would go to eat tons of Saturday nights because that's where we would uh, go after church. And so great friend. And uh, we used to run groups together in Colorado. So love Michael. And he certainly made an impact both with his book and his ministry. Wow. Um, Okay. So Nate, that was the longest like resume introduction you've ever given to somebody. (laughs) I want to know the man. It's one of the longest resumes, not just his resume. (laughs) So where, where do we actually start? Because I'm looking at a man with a long resume and a bunch of Disney plush toys behind him. And I want to understand. I yeah. want to understand what's going on. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. We interrupt this program for a real life story. <laughs> are, you, are we segueing into something? We're live. Yeah, yeah, sure. I want to. I want to hear. Give us. Give us your story in whatever fashion you want. It could be a thumbnail, a toenail, a lengthy novel, a novella. Up to you. I'll be glad to. Thanks, Aaron. So I was born uh, to a family, and uh, as I like to say, I'm, none of this is pejorative, it's my story, but in what was called an independent 
fundamental Baptist denomination. And so with that, uh, large, uh, very, very heavy on externals and not much on the internal life. I was fifth of six kids. If you look at kind of trauma, kind of, you know, therapy buzzwords, uh, my mom and dad said, never said it negatively, but we wanted two kids. What does that communicate when you're number five? They, never, <laughs> they really never Wait, joked about it. That? So it wasn't a yeah, joke. How did that you know, come up in a conversation? They, talking to, they just were very um, open about it. And once I did my own therapy work, which I've been in more therapy sessions as a client than you can imagine, and I began to go back and talk with them. I was having open conversations. I said, we really only wanted two kids. Dad was in an orphanage born out of wedlock and didn't know his parents and then adopted by an older couple. And so I think he created the tribe he never had. Mom, uh, she came out of the family where she was the baby of eight kids. So coming into the, I think she really probably was happy with two and dad created the tribe he never had. So, but that can set some things up like in the story, fifth of six kids, the classic, he never threw a ball with me. Uh, the only thing he really did in involvement, he took us to church religiously. And then if I got out of line, whipped me with a belt. So there was, you, you look at attachment counseling buzzwords from my mother, nothing really there. And I was raised not by wolves, but by older siblings. And I needed, really needed parents. So that set me up for all kinds of issues. At age four, an older boy, because, you know, I'm here on the Pirate Monk podcast where we keep it real, right? Yeah. In the sex addiction world. So an older boy with a group of boys standing around. Uh, coached me into performing a sex act on him. That's called sexual abuse. And I thought that's what you did. I think that's what I thought you got into the tribe there. Yeah. And so I did that introduction to sexuality at age four. And yes, I remember the event. And there was all this kind of in this little rural town in Ohio, while there was this high level of rigid religiosity around church, there was a, this little rural town, which was separate from the town where the church was. There was just, it was farm boys. And so all this sexuality and even guys you know, having sex with animals, talking about masturbation, they'd use different terms, of course, and just, and, and just all this sexuality. I was around incest, not in my home, but in a neighbor's home. And so what is a four, five, six, now 12, 11 year old boy supposed to do with all that? Mm -hmm. so all that stuff awakening and completely secretive, the, the church world never mixed with that world. And then at age 12, an older boy talked about masturbation. Do I know about masturbation? And seriously, I, I literally said, I said, the only thing I know is if a guy masturbates, he'll either get zits or go blind. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'd heard. Yeah. So yeah. he showed me how to masturbate, wanted me to do that on him. And what I said, no, I'm not doing that. And he coached me. He said, well, go home and try this. It was like 11, 12 years old. So I went home and tried it. Came back. He said, how did it work? I said, felt really good. It worked. And he said, well, now you need to do, so I said, well, he's right. He said, you need to then go back and you need to look like the playboys. I said, well, my dad, you know, is a Christian. And he says, yeah, you're Christian home. He wasn't a Christian. So they're not going to be that in the house. And he said, and I had no thought about this. He said, uh, you know, your mom has a bunch of catalogs. We're old enough, at least Nate and I, are, I remember the dates we'd get a Montgomery Ward catalog, oh, and the Christmas sure. catalog. I call that poor man's pornography. Yeah. Yep, the exactly. Sears catalog. So I thought, see, well, see that was, I, I was next level because my mother didn't get a Victoria's Secrets for about four years. So yeah, yeah that's I, the, that's the, the, that's high level porn, right? Exactly. I mean, most more, you know, the, the number one purveyor of Victoria's Secret catalog or men, let's be honest. So we didn't have that, but we had those Sears catalog and he said, just go there. And I thought, this is stupid. What's it going to do? Look at this stuff. I went, looked at it, masturbated to it. Well, I know enough now in my training of neurochemically what went on, and man, it was like the holy grail. 
And quite frankly, that day that a man or a little boy finds his penis and finds out it can really work this way, you know, you're never going back. So he, it worked. He coached me a couple other ways that got into some fetishes I ended up with. He said, try this and it will work. And I went every time he was right. And then I was hooked. So now here comes this split life, independent fundamental Baptist, you know, do's, uh, very few do's, lots of don'ts. And I, I felt I walked that Baptist church, I'll quote, rededicating my life many mm-hmm. times, but secretly coming back with this secret life. I felt like a nerd, uh, a little sissy, a jerk. You know, I felt like I, I just was failing God. And then I'd go to church and feel all this passion. That continues up until about, um, well, let's go shorter. It continues up and I'm rededicating my life. Got what we called on fire for God. Thought that would end it. The problem with mm-hmm. pornography and masturbation didn't. I go to a very conservative Christian college in Tennessee thinking that will end it. It didn't. I thought, and this one finally I knew would it marry the Christian girl, find the Christian girl. Thought that would do it. It did. Stopped all that acting out for about three months. First time she said no to sex. It was back so fast. I started taping, taping this dates me, VCR taping, old squiggly line cable. You couldn't get the real thing. Yeah. The audio track would come through. And so I'm taping this, and it goes on. I go to Dallas Theological Seminary, get ordained even as a minister. It's still there present, even hosting the Christian radio shows. It's still there. And where that jumps way ahead, what ended it for me or got me starting into recovery was a very close friend and mentor that I've spent a lot of years with named Larry Crabb. He said to me, part of you wants to act out and masturbate to that pornography. And I said, well, of course. Is there anything deeper in you? And he began to write books like Connecting and other books that go deeper than that. Think beneath it. And he said, well, what's below that? I said, my two little boys in the next room, you just threw the sheetrock, just inches away from me masturbating to cable TV. I said, I want something deeper. I, I don't want to do that as their daddy. And what about that? What else? I said, I don't want to do that you know, with their mother, you know, down, just down the hall. And then I wrote in my journal as I got into recovery, that helped me to know there was something deeper in me. It didn't fix everything. But I wrote in my, my journal, it was actually the front of a day timer. My quote, Jim, you will never regret not acting out. Because I literally, in my journey, somebody else listening today may be different. I never got up after a morning that I fought the good fight at night and said, just go to bed, don't do it. I never got up, I didn't, and say, I wish I would have acted out last night. But how many mornings did I get up going, golly, I can't believe I did it again. You ought to be in ministry. I mean, you guys know this, and be in ministry and then get on meaning to really help people on radio shows and still struggling. So the end of it in uh, I've been in sobriety for almost 14 years, no pornography of any kind, no masturbation. It's not because I got old. I'm 56. Has nothing to do with that. But it's I really realized that there was something more. And I say this, I am a rare person for some people because I didn't get sobriety through the 12 steps. I'm a big 12 step guy, but I didn't do sex addicts anonymous or SA to get recovery. And I know that AA has only been around about 80 years. So there's recovery outside of there. I lead my guys to go to those meetings, but my recovery came, did a lot of group therapy and individual therapy. And that's kind of my story. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, now you have, uh, during the past few years, you've done a lot of work with sex addicts uh, yeah. Yeah, at Bethesda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at Onsite, you're a, you're a leader in group therapy, right? So you get, right, yes. 
And those are, are those co-ed groups, the ones that you work in? They are. I mainly lead the Living Centered Program. Then yeah. I lead Brene Brown's Daring Way Program there. And it's men and women coming together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, I did Living Centered uh, several years. Best gift, gift I ever gave myself was that yeah, was that yeah, week at Onsite. Oh, fantastic. Um, but uh, so you help guys uh, analyze. Right. Uh, their own behavior. Mm-hmm. What kind of questions do you ask? Where do you where where do you take a guy when he when he comes through the door? He's got a big mess of a life. He's doing stuff he doesn't understand uh, for reasons he doesn't understand. Uh, where do you start? What kind of questions do you ask? Where does the exploration go? Well, I like to start with just the red dot. You know, you go to the mall. The red dot says you are here. Yeah. Hey, I try to build safety. It's common group or individual practice to try to build a safety, a safe container that that builds a little bit of bridge that a guy will feel like, and I might dip in a little bit of my own story, not all of it up front, but I get in where he would say, you know, you're willing to tell me where are things now? And we, all three of us know this on this podcast. Most of those men are coming in. The one thing about pornography or sex addiction work, they're coming in with their butt on fire because they've just got busted. Right. 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 Yeah. Just, no, nobody, no, nobody comes in casually because they thought it right. might be a good idea to do it today. Yeah. So kind of the felt need and the red dot, where are you? You are here. It's like, okay, things are screwed up. I'm in trouble, whatever. So I'll say, well, tell me the narrative. And I, I'll ask, did you do disclosure? Some guys actually do early on. Most don't, my opinion. Or did you get discovered? How did you get discovered? And then I'll say just in an open, like almost like a softball pitch out of the plate to say, what do you want to tell me about what's been going on? And as he begins to begin to open up and tell me a little bit of his narrative, I'm thinking 30,000 feet. I'll share again a little bit part of my story and then just ask, you know, why did you come in? What do you want to work on? What, what is it? Some guys will come in and we see this at onsite. We see it at Bethesda. I see it at my workshops. I'm here because my wife, you know, says I need to be here or I got fired or they're going to let me work still at the Bank of America or something if I go do therapy work. So I get to assess up front. Are you here for you? Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to do the work, are you willing to be willing to do the work? But if a guy's sitting there with his arms full, I got to do the assessment and find out, are you really here to at least try to work on this? That's the opening that I do, basically. So how, how successful do you find, if you can throw a made-up percentage at this, sure. <laughs> of guys that are, are there because they are court-ordered, in quotes, either by a spouse, yeah. a job, or whatever, uh, of them making that transition into their own willingness. I I don't mind the question at all, Aaron. What I find out is there are a lot of guys like wife court ordered or, Mm -hmm. you know, not true court. I like the term. I find that if they're there, I meet them wherever they are. If they can understand that they're going to stay as sick as their secrets or CS Lewis wrote in this powerful quote on lust that's out there. You can find it on the internet is they will stay trapped in the prison of themselves. And it's overused line, right? To say, how's it working for you? If I can come in and connect to them man to man, a little bit with my story and say, I tell them it's my line I made up. I use with everybody. Hey, bud, we've got more help than you've got problems. I'll get to know fairly quickly in assessment, maybe not the first session, but if they're saying, I want to keep acting out, you know, in the 12 steps, we talk about step one. If they're sitting there trying to think they want to be powerless but they keep acting out and they say their life's unmanageable, but they keep managing it through porn, masturbation, or even just snacking on Victoria's Secret. I'm not acting out. Then I'll say, you know, you're, you're here asking me for help. 
I, I don't sense though that you're 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 at a place to really like maybe hit a bottom that you're really at a place to make this your own recovery. I don't mind Con- tons of guys do this. You came in because your wife kicked you here or the mm. church or something. But when do you then like you know a good quarterback like Peyton Manning throwing the ball? You know, the yards after catch, are you ready to now run with the ball? So what you came here for those secondary right. reasons. It's just easy. You see a guy, if he's willing to say, I, I need help, you see so humility, I, you know. I, I love that question. Are you willing to become willing? Yeah. And I, I hate to beat the willingness horse, but I think it's so critical. So the question that I would have for listeners sake is one, how do you honestly how does a man honestly answer how willing are you? Because that's so hard because yeah. they feel I'm very willing. But then when you start adding up what it will cost, the willingness starts to go down. Mm-hmm. So how do they honestly assess how willing they are? And two, how can they cultivate deeper willingness? Well, Aaron, you just set that up profoundly. And here's why. Uh, oh, let me show you one of the things I do. I do a lot of experiential work. Nate's been through on-site. Anything you can tell me, you can show me. I've got 12 chairs here to my left in my office. I'll say, all right, let's do this. Let's line up three or four chairs. Go back to the willingness thing real quick and say, this front chair is, sit in it, Billy Bob, sit here. Are, are you willing? Like, I'm here for me. I want to deal with this. I don't know for sure if I am. Come back and sit in the chair behind it. And let's say we've got four chairs lined up like on an airplane. Are you willing to be willing? I know it's going to get corny, right? Back up again. Are you willing to be willing to be willing? And I will, I think every time find out where the guy is. Now he can be BS me lying. You know, I can't control that, but I'll say, this is where I think I am now to the, what you said that was the profound part of your question out of Patrick Carnes, the founder and kind of guru in the sex addiction field that I've trained under. He has found that with a, a guy, women too, but with a guy, Two key components must be in place if he wants to get out of pornography, compulsion, addiction, what have you, or full-blown sex addiction. He'll have to, many things, but two key things, he'll have to grieve the loss of the addiction because he's been taking benzodiazepines, Xanax, he's been medicating, it works. He's going to have to grieve the loss of the addiction, there will be withdrawal, and secondly, he'll have to grieve the losses of the addiction, so Jimbo will go. Let's line up. Here's a bunch. Put a bunch of three by five cards. I bring out a table. What are the losses? You know, it cost me my job. Some guys go, it didn't cost me anything. You know, I got free porn. I don't pay. What are the losses? Every guy can do it. That's what he's going to have to grieve and go. The losses are, I'll never get the trust of my wife back again. Far as you know, my kids discovered it. I lost a job. I've lost respect. I've lost self-respect. If they've acted out with other people, I picked up an STD or an STI. So I get them to see what the law that we concretize, so to speak, those losses. And then we ask guys to go through a a 90 day detox, which is to say no sex with self, no snacking on sexy pictures because it's all neurochemical based. No sex with your wife for 90 days because we want alcoholics and drug addicts to do it to detox. And therefore, in his body, he's been having orgasms since age 12 or younger Mm-hmm. to let him detail. I, I just assess, is he willing to go through that? Most guys are like, you got to be kidding me. Let me just start having sex like a bunch of drunk monkeys with my wife or something. I'm going, no, we're not sitting here saying you don't have sex with your wife ever again, but I want you to de-. Guys begin to do what we call vaginal masturbation. They stop the porn. They just start acting out inside with their wife. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Uh, talk to us a little bit, if you will, Jim, about the addictive cycle. Yeah. And, and, and there is a phrase that you dropped on me when we were having coffee at Frothy Monkey a couple of weeks ago that I have been shamelessly reusing, probably inappropriately. Please. Where you talk about the pre-trigger state. So mm-hmm. go. Okay, thanks. And Nate, we did talk about this. So the addiction cycle, if somebody has a napkin in front of them, scratch pad or something to write it down, I want you just to see a clock, a cycle. So at 12 o'clock on the, on the clock, what we want to do is before we get into the cycle, go above it. Like there's 12 noon, go above on this little clock you've written down. And I want you to put at the top wounds from your past. When I do this, I'm saying naming, not blaming, whether it was daddy, mama, something, somebody had abuse, wounds from the past. Then below that, it's like it's going to flow down. It's going to be the word shame. Guilt is, you know, uh, I've done some things that suck. I mean, I've messed some things up. Shame is I suck. I'm bad. That's the filter. Often people have never dealt with the wounds from their past. Their story, they never dealt with their story. So the wounds from the past through the filter of shame. And then here comes a trigger from within or from without. I use BS halt. Halt is famous in addiction. BS halt is because I tell all my guys like wheel of fortune, they give you those certain letters. Guys are struggling with triggers of bored. That's the number one trigger I see these days. I think a lot of that's because of our phones, et cetera. Bored, stress, that's S, stressed or in shame. Remember the word stressed spelled backwards is desserts. If I'm stressed, go to something to, to act out with. Bored, stressed, and then halt. Hungry, angry, or anxious, lonely, tired. So they know those are classic ones. They don't say, what are some of your other triggers? They could be internal, external. I get specific with guys like triggers like the arousal template, we call it. Some mm-hmm. guys say, well, it's breast or it's the butt or it's you know this ethnicity. I get them to name what is the thing you seem to be drawn to and it will always be in their trauma egg and their life story. It'll always be back there. Now, all those triggers come out of, Nate, what you were talking about, what I call the pre-trigger state. That means some guys are sitting there going, man, all of a sudden I just acted out. And I go, what was going on before that and before that? And I've been kind of down the last few days or been in shame or rejection or just the holidays or whatever. That's the pre-trigger state. That's the runway that a, a trigger lands on. To back guys up and go, yeah, if I'm depressed, I need to make a call to somebody in Samson. I need our buddy. I need to go, dude, I've been feeling kind of down today, or I'm feeling kind of crappy or in shame, or my wife, you know, blew something up at me or whatever. The pre-trigger state is what the trigger lands on. Then in the cycle, so here comes a trigger, pre-trigger states in the backdrop. That's kind of control, alt, delete on a PC, your home buttons on an iPad. That's playing in the background. You're not aware of it. Got to be aware of what's playing in the background. Then you go into this classic state in addiction cycles, preoccupation. The word we use there in code is fantasy. Pre-occupying, pre-being in a place that you're not. I'm already thinking, man, tonight the wife's going out of town, but I could look at some porn or I could do this. So you're already leaving the moment and your already brain's already saying this is where we're going. It's hard to tempt the brain with GPS. I want to go look at this and go somewhere different. Out of that preoccupation, that could last minutes to hours all day long. You go in, now that's at 12 noon, go down to three o'clock on the cycle, and that's rituals. Every guy has them. All these rituals. And before that, and I did that, I drove to the ATM, I got cash, I locked the door, and it's specific. Guys would go, I thought I just masturbated to porn, and they were in all these rituals, and they'd been in preoccupation fantasy for hours. 
Then it goes down to six o'clock on the cycle is acting out, whatever it is. By the way, that whole cycle is acting out. Some mm-hmm. guys are so, they'll go, I'm in preoccupation, trigger, and getting all this mm-hmm. jacked up feeling inside, but I never masturbate. Well, the brain, functional MRI study done at Vanderbilt University, shows that you've been a term I've coined called brain masturbation. The nucleus accumbens pleasure center of the brain is all lighting up like a Christmas tree, whether you're touching your deal or not and acting out. It's mm-hmm. all real. After acting out, it always goes to despair. One thing when a guy masturbates to porn, there is nothing to do as far as oxytocin. My friend Bill Struthers, who wrote Wired for Intimate, says you bond with the abyss. He's not there with a real person. So the attachment bonding piece, one fleshness, is gone. That leaves him in despair. Usually then he cycles out beside like 9 o'clock there at despair on the clock. He cycles guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame. If only people only knew, then that primes him to go back into the cycle an hour later, two hours later, six months later, even can still be the cycle. That completes the cycle. It's really easy to see. And Nate, one of the things I do, I shared with you, is I do what I call an autopsy on the addiction cycle. Mm-hmm. What were you doing? What are the narratives and everything in the pre-trigger state, in fantasy? What are the rituals? And guys find out they've got a whole list of rituals. Man, I'm doing all that before I act out. When you're acting out, with what? A phone. Whose phone? What were you looking at? Where? What was the time? Five hours, five minutes. Lotion, a towel. I mean, I get real specific. Acting out's always specific, and then we try to do recovery vague. And then I get, <laughs> well, what happens so in vagueness stays in vagueness. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. That's the, I just blasted you through that pretty quick, but that's what I do. Well, it's interesting that you end up there in your career, in your ministry, in the kingdom. When you started the story with, I was at an independent Baptist church where everything was external. You got you it, just said it doesn't even matter if it's external. And it sounds very Christ-like with the, uh, yeah, murder people. I don't know. What are you thinking about? Because maybe yeah. there's stuff happening in your brain you got that it. is just as damaging to your soul. Mm-hmm. Well put. I aim into that. Um, you know, the temptation that all of us face in recovery because, especially sex addiction, it's so shameful. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to talk about it to anybody. And the great temptation is for us to try to gather, at least for me, gather a bunch of information and figure this out on my own. Just do it in isolation. Recover by myself. What are the odds that a man is ever going to be able to recover by himself? What's the role of community and relationship in recovery? Thank you, Nate. Love that question. Here's what I say. If you can imagine the triangle. I know under some word pictures here. Bottom left part of the triangle. We were wounded in relationship. Uh, we go to the top of the triangle. We act out in isolation, even if you're with five hookers or 50 hours of porn. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, you're, so we're wounded in relationship. We act out in isolation, ABA form. Go back to the bottom of the triangle. We're healed in relationship, in community. So mm-hmm. that piece of doing it by yourself, because this false intimacy thing that Harry Schomburg wrote about a long, a long time ago, is... I want the authenticity, even though my sexual abuse was in community, it was, but to get mm-hmm. into the tribe, my healing, it's why without 12 steps, I did five years year round of intense group therapy mm-hmm. and to get in and share your story. It takes the shame out of it. You get the me too factor for a guy to go, well, I mean, I guess he can pull it off doing that by himself, but why do it? You're missing out. You're missing mm-hmm. out on a guy saying me too. 
Uh, let's let's say that again. That was so good. You can do it by yourself, but yeah, like why? Why, why? bother? <laughs> Plus, you're missing sharing your story. The day you get into deeper recovery, and someone says, "Jimbo or Fred or Billy Bob," when you shared that tonight, I now know I can make it through. That's the idea. It's Psalm twenty six eleven, foundational verse of my ministry. Psalm twenty six eleven. David said, "But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity." redeem me and be gracious to me. My ministry is not my business as it is, is not integrity restored, integrity rebuilt. Integrity is wholeness. It's integrity redeemed. And I go, every moment I share in a group, part of my story got redeemed when Bob over there said, because you shared that, Jim, I now have hope as a regular dude. So you get men sharing their stories together more and more like that. That's where the healing flows just is. I'll tell you, personally, for me, I don't know that I that I actually ever could recover by myself. I, I really wanted to do that. Um, <laughs> but the problem is I'm such a practiced liar and I'm so oh, blind in so many areas that there are whole parts of my uh, thinking patterns, yeah. behavior patterns, uh, character defects that I would never see unless either A, somebody else pointed them out to me, somebody who I'd given permission That's to, right. or somebody else being vulnerable talked about theirs and I recognized it. I never would have seen it if I didn't. It's the kind of thing, it's a dynamic that's at play anytime I'm in a Samson meeting, a 12-step meeting, other people are sharing. I see myself or hear myself in another man's story. That's that line, if you spot it, you got it. Yeah. You see it over there and go, oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, I love the passion that I hear coming through uh, your voice, Jim. I can tell that you are doing what you were made to do. Oh, thanks, my friend. Yes. Yeah. Is that what it feels like? It does. Because, and here's the thing. And, and you know, for both of you guys, it, it ain't it ain't it ain't the degrees behind my name. Right. It's not the this and training and all that to this day. I bet you both know this in your own journey. The number one thing where I help clients, it's, I do have a lot of training and that helps, but is when I share parts of my story or say, yep, and they see, they, they don't have what I call the oh crap moment. Sometimes I say it differently, but yeah. for the podcast, the oh crap moment is a guy sits there and shares something with me and I don't go, oh, crap, whoa, you did yeah. what? I go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether I did it or not, I did enough of my own crap and said yeah. things to go, yeah. And I, so it's redeeming my own story and I go, yeah. I went yeah. through that because they're thinking, dude, I'm what I'm about to tell you in here. <laughs> Not just my acting out, but if I tell you how I was abused, that's even freaking even more weird. And yeah. I go, yeah, I've got that in my story too. And I'll watch the shame just begin. See, if you don't do your own work as a mentor, coach, Samson guy or whatever, or as a therapist, definitely as a pastor, Renee mm-hmm. Brown says it this way. You don't do your own work around this stuff if it's in your life. Shame will crawl down the leg of the person you're talking to across the floor and crawl right up your leg and get right into you. That's why it's important to go, I'm doing my own work. For a therapist, number one thing they do, not training, do their own recovery work, their own therapy work. Yeah, 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 Mm. yeah. Well, how do people get in touch with you if they have questions or read stuff you're writing or listen to stuff you're speaking? What? Where do they go? Thank you, Aaron. Uh, they can go to uh, Jim Cress, J-I-M-C-R-E-S-S. Just go to Jim Cress, 
jimcrest.com. I also have integrityredeemed.com. But if they go to jimcrest.com, I do uh, one, two, and three day intensives where people will come from uh, you know around the country. They've come here and they'll just rewrite their whole life story, just me with an individual or a couple. Then the Integrity Redeemed workshops are four day intensives for men, spouses, partners, and uh, couples. So J-I-M-C-R-E-S-S, jimcrest.com. Fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your busy schedule to visit with us and our listeners, Jim. Uh, God God bless you uh, for all you're doing. And I hope uh, the next time you're in the Nashville vicinity, you'll hit me up again. We'll have another cup of coffee. I I benefited greatly from our last time together. The pleasure was all mine. I love the Frothy Monkey, by the way. We're not a commercial (laughs) for it, but that's that's a cool, that's a hip place. I like that place. Thank you. And Aaron, thanks you too, buddy. I love your all's passion. And this has been something that I've wanted to do, quite frankly, for a long time. Nate, you came and spoke at my church here in Charlotte about three years ago with Scotty and Scotty Smith. And I thought, man, I would love to just get to know you better and to be on the podcast. Uh, I couldn't thank you all enough. All right. Well, let's do it again, because we didn't touch on any of my questions from uh, (laughs) the blog that was on your website when I was finding out who is this guy. And so I looked you up read the last blog that you wrote. So we'll have to get to the future tsunami problem that's coming. Oh yeah. You so, read that. The tsunami of sex addictions not yet hit America. That's true. And uh, Aaron, you name the time you were in eight and I'll show back up. You guys make it easy. I'm proud of you guys, the work you're doing. It's an honor. We're in this thing together, right? That's it. That's, that's it. right. Thanks Jim. Thank and, you. and we will be right back on the pirate monk podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. That was kind of awesome. I always yeah. like when you bring in people. I don't have any idea who they are, what's going on. And then <laughs> I'm totally pleasantly surprised. As yeah. opposed to the ones that you bring in that I'm just like, geez, this is as bad as I believed it could be. <laughs> no, I, I never feel like that. 
Oh, well, I, you know, I, I love that we've been around long enough uh, that that um, the people in this field actually want to talk to us, know who we are, and they can bring their expertise into the conversation. Well, that uh, that was fantastic. Jim has a lot to say, and he has a lot more to say. So we really need to do it again with him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But do check out his website, uh, jimcrest.com. You can read the blog that I was interested in, The Modern Day Sexual Craze and Chaos, The Facts. It's a, it's wow. a bit heavy. It's a bit dark. But now you have Jim's voice, which was, quite frankly, much brighter and more encouraging than I anticipated. <laughs> well, I'd only read the, the stat, the facts. It was a yeah, yeah, bummer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, those are dark facts. Uh, The future can look very, very grim without the hope of the gospel. You know, it feels really cool. And this has happened with a couple of our guests recently. When they give some really practical tools, Mm -hmm. like you did with the clock, thinking through that in our own life, I feel like they're giving away the stuff other people are having to pay a lot for. (laughs) That's right. But you as the listeners can actually take these and play with them with your friends. Like get a couple guys and say, okay, I want to I want to figure out what this clock thing means in my mm-hmm. life. Uh, I wouldn't advise you try to do it alone because quite frankly, these are tools that were meant for therapy with another counselor or with a group of people. But it's okay to play with it. Go play with these things and find out what you discover about your own heart. Mm, beautiful. All right. Well, uh, uh, the hour once again has flown. Uh, uh, we're going to have to, I guess, wrap this one up, uh, sign off here shortly. We do like to hear from our listeners, and you can always reach us by email. Uh, the address is simply piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. So if you have comments, you have questions, you have suggestions, you have criticisms, whatever, go ahead, write them down, send them to us. And if not on the air, then uh, by email, we will respond. You can also, I think, find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page still. I think maybe we do. Yeah. Just got a great recommendation for a guest from Philip. So I'm excited. Get on there. Tell us your thoughts. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Arg. 